coming up next in The Ziggler Show. Following up from my conversation with Dan Pink regarding the message in his new book, The Power of Regrets, Tom Ziegler and I went through the exercise of listing out some of our regrets and what we learned from them and are still learning and finding some regrets where we haven't fully considered if we have learned a lesson yet from them, which is much the point here to discuss and discern the power of our regrets. As Dan Pink points out, regrets have power when we use them to learn as opposed to denying them and being the no regrets person or wallowing in them and living in guilt and shame. Well, this episode really helped bring Tom and I both to revisiting our past, let's call them mistakes and what we have learned or can be learning from them. And I think you'll gain some insight that you can benefit from to redeem your past mistakes. Welcome to The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. This podcast has a simple premise. It's to take the age-old wisdom of self-help and personal development and break it down as to how it relates to our world today, to your world today. You can dig in more with me in each episode at kevinmiller.co. And if you're new to Ziggler and are a coach or want to become one, let The Ziggler family empower you Go to Ziggler.com slash coach leadership program or email Tom Ziggler himself at tziggler at Ziggler.com. Now let's talk about redeeming some regrets. Tom, it was when I had David Meltzer on the show, man, probably a year and a half ago, and he made some, some quip about the things that happen to us and that if they keep, you know, the, the opportunity to learn a lesson in essence, but if they keep happening to happening to us, obviously we have not learned the lesson. And you know, that really stuck with me. And that's what I thought about prepping for this show to do with you, to talk about regrets as I started going through. Cause at first I literally tell them I listed the regrets. Okay, here's my regrets. And then I was thinking about it later and thought, well, wait a minute. The point was learning something from them as uh, as, as Dan said, is using it like a playbook, you know, going back and looking at the plays in the game and figure out what can you learn from the mistakes you made and, and writing that, I thought, man, that is the power because I may not have learned the lesson. And I considered that with these. Now the ones that I pulled out there, things I'm aware of, but it really still pulled me back to, did I learn the lesson? Am I making change? And to the power of regrets, as Dan talks about, that is the redemptive, redemptive as, aspect of it, is what we learned. And it really drove me, Tom, to thinking about being aware, being present, being intentional, pressing in on the next mistake I make. Not the next problem. That's how I, t- I started to think about it, the next problem, because that may not be something I did. Uh, it could be something that happened to me, but we're talking about a mistake I made, something I did, I hurt somebody's feelings, whatever it was that I look at that and go, okay, I did that. I participated. I, I regret that right away. I regret that in the moment, you know, or the next day or next year, whatever. Okay. What can I, what can I learn and redeem that sucker? And it felt like also that's the opportunity I have to not, as Dan said, wallow in it and then just live in guilt. And as I 
talked about that, Tom. I have, I wish I could sit here as the host of the Ziggler show and said, man, I am just a rock star there. And I thought, uh, okay, if I'm honest, I can tend to live in some guilt because I'm not, I'm not working through it. What do you think? You know, I, I remember in college, um, we put on a seminar. We were a weird fraternity. We needed to raise money. I said, hey, let's have Zig Ziglar come speak on campus. I've got a connection. And so our fraternity, we were a bunch of nerds. We uh, put this thing together, got a facility, did some marketing. Of course, I had company connections, so, I, I, you know, they guided us. And there was one guy on our team uh, in our fraternity. His name was Kelton, Kelton Gunter. Uh, and so I was kind of like the sales manager. And so, of course, and so I had this list and I said, Kelton, go see these people. And I gave him the list. And then two hours later, he came back and there were check marks on all of them. And I was like, and so I did it the next day and the next day. And, and that time in my life, the most fearful thing in the world for me to do was just to go and meet somebody I hadn't met before mm -hmm. and ask them for something. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I was like, golly, what a, you know, and so it was like this, wouldn't it be awesome just to be fearless? Mm -hmm. And so that's, I guess it kind of falls into one of the categories of regret, you know, yeah. of golly, how come I can't just go do X yeah. like somebody else can? Yeah. And he had no emotional trauma or angst about any of it. He just went and did it. Whatever happened, happened. And he didn't have any more skills or less skills than me. I mean, it was yeah. just, we were two people who didn't know what the heck we were doing. He just saw, Oh, look, I'm just going to go talk to these people. And so I've always um, thought about that, that simple thing. And then thought about how so many of us in life, we we look over and we see somebody else doing something easily and we're like how come i can't do that which is classic you know dan's second category not that it was second in sequential order but just as listed in his book was the the regrets of boldness and you know i really as he talked about we often have because i talked about the deathbed regrets and he pointed out he points out in the book and then we talked about it that those are generally primarily regrets of inaction i mean you're on your deathbed you're, you're this is it there's not much more you don't have a whole lot of chance for action so your your uh, regrets are of inaction things you can't really do anything about now but for all of us we have the opportunity to correct a lot of those now we can't go back and do something that we didn't do in school or whatnot but um it was interesting, though, as we talked about his first category, foundational regrets, were a lot of uh, inaction, things that we haven't done. And the boldness was a good mix of those that we regretted. For me, it was things that I did that I regret. And then you also then have, like you talked about, the boldness ones, the things that you didn't do. So, uh, again, it's it just it was so interesting, well, obviously to talk with Dan about it. And that's why I wanted us to go through it and have a conversation. Um, and I listed some out here, Tom, on the foundational regrets. 
And so as his definition was, you know, the failure to be responsible, conscientious, prudent, they were around stability and often regrets of people who did not do things for stability in their physical well-being or in their finances, uh, things of that nature. And he really pulled out relationship stuff because he has that down. That was its own category and connection. And so in that, I mean, I went through it, Tom, and some that jumped out immediately as a regret. I wrote them down as regrets and things that I learned. One of them was judging men and it's specifically men. It was a a specific point in my life, early twenties, judging men on what I deemed to be, it's hard to say moral failures, but moral uh, incongruities that I judged and I discounted them entirely. It's really cute to me. This is a, a, again, a, just a specific time of life. And it took me a long time to learn. I had to walk in their shoes a little bit later in life to learn grace and not throwing the baby out with the bathwater in essence. Uh, and, and to look at them and say, okay, it may not be somebody I partner with. You know, there may be an aspect of trust, but I can still learn from them doesn't mean it doesn't discount. And I did see, I did see some specific things. I was in a big church in Nashville, not far from this time of life. And there was a big music artist that had a big, you know, literal moral failing, had an affair. And I remember at the time they yanked all of his material out of all the stores around the world. It just took him off. And that was the beginning of me uh, being taken aback a little bit about my own approach because I thought, well, gosh, okay, I get it. I kind of get it. But then does that mean that there was no goodness in him ever? That if this thing that he recorded as he was seeking God didn't have any value and now we're going to rip that thing out because five years later he did have a fall. Um, that's, that's one that, you know, I've heard you talk about in regards to your dad. There may be people he would share the stage with, that he would uh, even collaborate with a little bit, but he wouldn't partner with them in that sense. And that's been something, I think that's, a, that's, a, uh, that's one, especially from a faith-based standpoint, that gets a little dicey for people. Yeah, I'm right with you on that judgment thing. Um, it took me a long time to figure out that there's always a story. Yeah. And so, especially when we're younger, uh, we'll make those snap judgments or we'll make a decision based on what we see. We don't have any context of what's going on in that person's life. And then you hear the story. and It's like, it just humbles you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It just humbles you. Yeah. Um, so that's a, in you know, and right now in my life, I, I look at people that I've had differences of opinions with through the years. And a lot of them, fortunately, we've been able to mend it. And it usually comes from the story was there. the stories that we had were different. Yeah. And neither one of us were innocent. Uh, but there was so much unnecessary uh, angst and worry and trauma because didn't have the courage to just go and say, Hey, what's going on here? Why are you coming at it this way? Yeah. Right. Well, in in this show, doing this podcast has been 
it's put that in my face too, because there's people out there with great books, great messages. And yet as I vet them, I see some things and go, Ooh, I don't really, I don't really align with that. So do I not give them a place here on the show because of that, even though, man, their message is, is stout. They're a leader in this arena of expertise and insight and they do have a good heart and they do have a good story. And so, and yet having them on the show is a representation of us. And so that's, it continues to be something that I, there's a good, I like, I just, these days I like the word tension and we want to say balance, but I just, I, I find the word, the word tension. Well, here, here's, here's one and I'll, I'll jump to another aspect of life uh, that some people will relate to. So when we started having kids and seeing the busyness of life and having children and everybody going a hundred miles an hour and, uh, everything, I was really gung ho on, we are going to do things differently. And, and my wife was too. And we did not, or we, we homeschooled, which means she homeschooled as I was out, I was working, but homeschooled, um, we kept them out, uh, or kept them off of TV, didn't have a TV, or if we did, it was just, you know, tapes that we would at that time, tapes that we would, we would watch. didn't have regular TV and we kept them out of activities. And especially as they got into later school age and my perspective, which again, I get, and I I'm having grace for, uh, my perspective though, is we are going to preserve family life. And nothing is more important than us being a family and having peace and time together and dinner at the table. And I would brag about that, that out of seven days of the week, we have dinner seven days of the week together, all of us. And we have talk. So I'm going to hold that. That was at a great value. And I ended up also having some regret for what they did not experience. And, I, and I'm saying my older kids, we had three and then had a big gap before we had, uh, the other litter. And, <laughs> and, and I looked at that and man, I get my, I get my concern and I do value the family time and family dinners and, and peace and not, I used I used to look at go, how, how many days can we go without leaving the house, without the cars leaving the house? And fast forward to today. And I have some regret and some of it came through my older kids saying that they, they, uh, missed out on some exposure and finding some interests. And now I'm seeing the value of kids having interests, especially in today's day and age where screens can steal the kids having curiosity, experiencing things, getting exposed to things, trying new things. And instead they get that, as Simon Sinek talks about that dopamine hit and they're not trying stuff. And there's a meme going around about where we may miss the next great painter who will never take the time, maybe out of boredom to pick up a brush or the next engineer to build something, to take up Legos and start playing with them, or the next musician who won't, uh, in, in some spare time, that's not being filled with the dopamine hit of a screen and the next meme and the next video won't pick up a guitar and whatnot. But, you know, so here's my kids. So I backpedaled on that. I, I, my, you know, my wife and I both and got them involved. And now today I've got three, I've got five kids at home and they're all involved in stuff, especially the three youngest. We got them involved in stuff early. 
And man, the benefit is great. And I'm not espousing what people should do with their parenting. I'm, I played both sides. I'm playing both sides. And we go back and forth. We had some kids homeschooled last semester that are now in school this semester. It may change the following semester. I don't know. We'll go back and forth. But I've got kids involved in dance and gymnastics and soccer. And it's busy. And we are going. And there are a lot of family dinners missed. And yet I also see the benefit of them having an interest something they're pursuing, seeing their own progress, experiencing self-discipline and finding their friends generally comes in that shared interest, which was my childhood. That's where all my uh, progress was and failure. You know, that's where I experienced things. I experienced friends. So there's something, there's a regret and a learning and a consistent, you know, grappling. But for me, it was also a humbling, Tom. And as I thought, as I, as I was thinking through Dan's stuff and the regrets, there was a lot of, I think to do them well, for me, at least as I walked worked through them, it required some humility. Again, not going into guilt, not, not just uh, blaming myself and feeling bad about myself, but some humility to go, man, I, I get why I did that, but I, I have some regret. I'm not sure that that was the best decision. Uh, how can I redeem it? And if I can redeem it by doing something differently that changes the course, great. Maybe my redemption though, depending on what it is, is past is only to go back and go to my older kids and go, guys, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know that was the best decision. And then going, okay, that's all right, dad. Will you pay for my counseling? So <laughs> <laughs> you are listening to the Ziegler show and my discussion with Tom Ziegler on lessons learned redemption gained from regret. We'll be right back. Yeah. You know, and there's different kinds of regrets. Um, mm-hmm. Gosh, I had such a, you know, dad wrote the book, Raising Positive Kids, uh, when I was, you know, young. So I got to sit through all the talks and Sunday school classes while he was working on that. And he said something that was really, really profound. And he said, you know, never, never believe that quality time is a substitute for quantity time. Mm. And so, you know, while we may regret what we said or what we directed our kids to do, gosh, if we're spending the time with them at the end of the day, that's what they want and that's what they need. Um, But I had to, I had to dial, one of my regrets on that is I had to dial back. Well, you know, this, this time needs to mean something, you know, this time needs to be intentional. And a lot of times it would even, I'd want to, whatever we were doing, I wanted to be the best at it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I can remember Indian princesses, you know, I think Alexander was like seven. And so we're fishing on a pond. And I'm like baiting the hook and getting everything out there as fast as we can. And hey, this is how you hold it. And she's just having a great time <laughs> trying to figure just, out. You put that on a hook, yeah. <laughs> and that's that was really an enlightening moment yeah. where I was like, wait a second, I need to see this experience through her eyes. With some of that brings up as our buddy Randy James talks about. Off, I keep saying tension. He talks about it's the bother. You know, they're, they're both. And we, so I, so want to be black and white. One is, one is best 
one is better, one's healthier, one whatever. And, 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 you know, here we are, you and I, we're the odd couple with parenting. You, you have one kid, I have nine kids. And, but I remember when I had three and I, it was so rich to me, Tom. And I remember telling my wife, I, I can't imagine how we could have more kids because of what it would take away from these kids. And then we had more kids and you know what it did? It took time away from the other kids. The true story. It, it actually happened now. And I can go, you know, of course what I'm supposed to do now is, but say, but they've got their, you know, they got their siblings and they got the big family and there's all these benefits. That's true too. I don't know that the point though, is to just justify what we did. There is, I think my younger kids would say, yeah, it's hard to get alone time with daddy. It's really special. That is their most special thing. I just went through in two months time, two boys birthdays and both of them wanted the weekend with daddy individual because I'm the one they, they spend more time with mommy one-on-one, but don't get a lot of, a ton of one-on-one time, you know? And so that's true. And there's the great benefit. I mean, you know, okay, which of your siblings would you rather not have? You know, it's not that too. They, they love their siblings, but man, that there's that both are aspect. Uh, and this really brings it to light. Second category here, Tom, then is boldness. And again, I do want to say these aren't sequential. It's just how Dan put them out there, but the, the boldness ones, and you talked about a minute ago about a regret of inaction in regards to boldness. Mine are, if I stopped and thought further, maybe I could come up with some on the inaction. Most of my regrets are for action. I tend to, I enjoy jumping at things. I enjoy being uh, spontaneous and doing things on impulse I mean, I, I like crafting my life to where I can. And I, and I just, and I did it. However, um, it was interesting, Tom, and I didn't think about it. I get benefit of going through this exercise and I regret, and, and I had so many, I don't have, I'm not going to give a specific, I jumped, I jumped at a lot of opportunities and I have learned that, that I regret jumping full tilt boogie and I've learned to be patient. But what I realized as I thought about it is It's not a, oh, I regret that. So I've learned the discipline of patience. The cool thing that I realized is I've actually grown an appetite for patience. I'm enjoying it because I'm seeing the benefits of it. Now, I still like to go after opportunities, uh, but now I am more patient. And as I am, I see the, the wealth. I see the greater payoff of that. And I'm starting to enjoy that. So it doesn't feel like a discipline. So there's a regret of some things uh, that I jumped in. And actually, a part of that is in some ways that I, I, I went so full tilt. You know the story of that, the business. How many businesses do we have, especially back in the day? where later on you're doing a nice Christmas fire with the business cards and the letterhead and the things you spent thousands of dollars building up and the business didn't work or it went a different direction. I have some where it was just, man, could the business work? That was just the, the amount of money we put into XYZ. Oh my gosh, Tom, I did that so many times. Just again, full tilt boogie. And I, 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 today I'd say I go after things and I may be committed to them, but I'm much better at, okay, let's do phase one. Let's do phase two and let's see, not that if this is even going to work or not, though that's relevant, but sometimes just to see what direction it goes in before Kevin invests all of our money in this one direction he thinks it's going to go. Turns out it's going a different direction, still succeeding. It's going a different direction, but we have no money because he spent it all on letterhead. You've, <laughs> you've seen a couple hundred of those stories or thousand. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm almost exactly the opposite. It's lack of boldness. Um, and, you know, it's almost like it's almost like our regrets tend to to be on the side of our personality that's the opposite of us. That's a great point. That's a great point that I don't know that he hits on in the book. Maybe he does, but you go with that. Not in all categories. Morality, probably not. That doesn't. That's not a personality thing. Um, although, if you're if you're bold and you know if you're uh, if you're quick to stand up and fight and say I'm going to do this, you know that gets you into different types of trouble. Then we'll come to that in a minute because I may have one for you on that one. Yeah. So. I've always been not a rule follower, but hey, this is my role. And and so because I said, well, my role is my primary guide. Um, if something looked like a lot of fun or interesting or was important, but it was out of my role, hmm. uh, I would quickly discount it. Hmm. Interesting. And, and so this goes to one of my big, my, one of my big regrets is, is growing up, uh, at, as Ziegler and at, at the office. And, you know, there was a good 15 year stretch when I was working there where dad was speaking all over the country to corporations and probably 15 or 20 times a year, I could have gone on trips with him and met all the people he met and made contacts and just let whatever my job was just figure out how to do it. Yeah. But because that was my role, I couldn't see. Um, it, it was like by by making my primary role secondary for that short amount of time, that two day or three day window, because I couldn't get over that. I missed out on that. Yeah. And when now when I look back at it, it's like, well, duh, that's a no brainer. You know, who, who wouldn't want to go spend, uh, you know, a trip a month for for 10 years with people who are running corporations that have thousands of employees mm -hmm. and just get to know them? I mean, it's like it's so obvious. But it was it was my it was probably dad's focus on something else where he didn't think of it. And it was my lack of boldness to step outside and go, what would I tell? I, you know, maybe, maybe this is a good idea. If you, if you could go back in time and tell yourself, Hey, this is when these things come up, what would you, this is what you should do. Yeah. Right. Maybe that's going to point us. That's another way to point us to yeah. what are the, what are the things that we're doing now that we're going to regret? I mean, I like that, Tom. And I, so I wrote down too, as you talking about personality styles and I, I, I did do justice to the, to Dan's book and either go see if I missed it in there, or maybe I'll just text him and go, okay, did you talk about personality styles uh, in there? Because in learning about it, I'm thinking, you got me thinking if I want to learn about some past regrets that I have, let's say you and me. So I want to learn, I want to learn, I want help discerning some of the lessons I could learn from my overboldness, from my spontaneity, from my impulsiveness, I'm probably going to do best to commiserate with somebody of a similar style because they get me. They go, man, I get that. And here's a lesson. Somebody who's been through that, where you're going to be with somebody uh, of your style, because if you come to me, we had such a different experience. So 
I think it's worth people hearing that if you're thinking about some of the regrets that you have and how to redeem that, what is the lesson? Where do you want to grow in, in wisdom uh, in that maybe commiserating with somebody who has that similar style is relevant? I don't know. I just like the point, Tom. I hadn't thought about it. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm sitting here struggling for words. Uh, one of the things that I've learned how to do is to really celebrate how different people are different. Yeah. And if, if they're eccentric or they're peculiar to me, right. Maybe not to who they hang out with, but to me, uh, they do things in a different way, but they're so gifted and talented in certain areas. Why not just celebrate the way they are and not hold against them that they're not like you. Yeah. And it, and it took me in my early uh, leadership roles at the company, you know, I was, I've been accused of being, you know, was it anal retentive or I don't even know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, don't, I think they were using a fancy word to, to call me a control freak. Right. Uh, instead of just sitting back and letting somebody take ownership and shine in their own way, and at the end of the day, it's not the way I would have done it. But you know what? The result was as good as. Yeah. And I'm not talking about moral or ethical things. I'm just talking about, you know, how do you set up a table? It's just, does it matter really yeah. how you set up the table? Yeah. Uh, in some cases, it does. You know, um, I never will forget a lesson. The the One of the guys that worked for us, he was, um, he served in the military they were in the, I think it was the South China Sea and a big typhoon came through and the, the captain of the ship came to his group and they were all, they were hitching a ride. They weren't, they weren't Navy, right? They were hitching a ride. And the captain of the ship said, Hey, you need to take your men down there and guard the equipment. And they're out in the middle of the ocean and the waves are like 20 feet tall. And he's like, why do we have to go guard the equipment? He goes, the captain said, well, because uh, if one of the tie downs breaks and that tank goes through the hole, then we all die. <laughs> Good point. Oh, yes, sir. I'm going to go down there. Right. And so so sometimes there's very, very specific reasons why you do mundane things in a certain way. Because yeah. why would you guard equipment in the middle of the ocean? Well, your life depends on it. Yeah. And so we got to get the why. And so when I started just giving people the grace to go and be themselves in their areas. So that's where, to me, the linkage between with parents, you know, you got to have quality time and you got to have quantity time, but you've got to let that time revolve around how each child is bent. Yeah. You might have an athlete, you might have an artist, you might have one as super social, you might have one as an introvert, but the same size doesn't fit all for sure. Yeah. And, and we and kids want to be us, yeah. right? They want to be us. It, and if they're and if they're not us, then they feel bad for not being us. And yeah. so we've got to turn around and say, "No, you need to be you." Yeah. It's funny. It's so acute to me, Tom, because again, I just had these getaways with my boys and one of them want we had a list of things that we went and did together. 
and he loved it. He loved doing it with me. He wanted me to participate in these activities, you know, with, with him. So I'm kind of geared up to do the same thing with son number two. And he says, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. Can we just hang? Okay. We'll just, we'll just hang. And we did, we watched some shows together and, you know, played a game and ate and, and had some time. And he's one of those guys where you have a relationship that you're okay just being together in silence, even doing something different. You're reading your book, I'm reading my book, you know, whatever it may be. So, well, you mentioned moral things and, you know, talking with Dan, obviously there's something we can regret that was just flat out immoral, right? I mean, we had, I had Tommy Breedlove on the show last year and he, part of his story starts with him being in jail. He did something that was actually a felony, you know, and he's, he's, he's in jail and he regret, of course he regrets that. And we've known people that have done uh, big immoral things that they regret. Now it's likely that a lot of people listening to the show don't fall into that category. And I don't have anything that I've ever done trying to think that was massively illegal. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe one too many speeding tickets as a kid. I actually did do that. I'm not sure if I regret it. That's another story. We'll have, to, we'll have to deal with that. But on the moral side, we did get into just being kinder. You know, some of the regrets of not having done something. And so it's interesting, Tom, as you talked about personality profiles, because with me being uh, often going too fast, uh, in life in general, in my days, no matter what, just going fast and being spontaneous and being impulsive that I can tend to just not take the time. Am I unkind to people? I don't know. I'd have to think, you know, there's some people who thought, yeah, Kevin was unkind. I don't know, but they may have felt that in my lack of taking the time to connect with them, my lack of taking a moment to be kind uh, to them. And so that's one that I, it's a regret and it's something I continually struggle with. And I actually, Tom, in thinking about this, find myself juggling that because, you know, you do have friends, even like that, my, my boys looking for different things for me. And I have friends of mine that enjoy, you know, one's going to call up, Hey, let's go mountain biking together. And one, and, and I'm going to fulfill that role. Of, let's go do something together. I'm pretty much more that type of a friend as opposed to, well, even with my kids, and we could say this is a stereotypical guy, girl, but I know some guys that, you know, that some people that have it swapped, whatnot, but my kids, I'm not the first one they come to with an emotional issue. I am the one they come to when something's broken, something's fixed or something they're trying to figure out. They want to make a decision, whatnot, but not the one to come and cry on, on the shoulder. Not that they can't. It's not my greatest skill set. And so there's a little bit of looking at, at my personality style and looking and going, you know, I, I'm, I'm probably the person in people's life that fills a certain area. I don't have to be everything for everyone. Yet, there, I know there's some times when I'm thinking I probably would, it'd probably be sweet to just listen or to ask, Tom, how was your day? How was your weekend? Man, I know you did X, Y, Z. You know, how was it? Instead, I want to talk to you about, let's just talk about an idea. Can we just do a show? And I'm not as prone to take that time to press in and, you know, whether or not, maybe it's just the, the, what I need to pay attention to is how do I feel? Am I being disingenuous to myself? If I'm noticing something, maybe that's a good clue. So there's some regrets there that I've had and, and I have, and now and I'll, I will say specifically, Tom, uh, for people, cause I had, um, oh, his name's right in the tip of my tongue, uh, Brian Dixon, who wrote the book. I think it's people first. Um, 
I had him on the show in the last year and I commiserate with him as I can have, I can be with people. We have an endeavor that we're going out after and I can take those. I have taken those people for granted for the sake of the endeavor. I wasn't trying to be unkind. I wasn't, I mean, I just, I saw them as rock stars and I just expected their rock stardom to you know, take care of them. And I took them for granted. And I have some people, I do know that there's, there's some people I could list them out who, um, you know, again, I don't think they've discounted me, but it's, I rubbed them wrong and I took them. I, I did that. Uh, that's a reality. That's a regret. And so now having to realize how important the team is around you and to take care of them. Um, that's a, that's an, that's a specific one. That's a, that's very tangible for me, Tom. Yeah. I'm thinking about my regrets in that area. Um, and this goes back to personality style. All of us have a different style, a different way we're bent. Um, you know, we use disc at Ziggler, yeah. the D's, the driver, you know, <clears throat> bottom line, get it done. What's it going to take? The I is the cheerleader, very engaging, loves conversations. The C is the accountant type, detailed list keeper. Uh, these are the rules. And the S is the steady. They're, they're the relational. Uh, they want to do whatever you want to do. And I'm an S. And so when I get really into, like when I'm going hard S, like I'm just letting my style run my life, I can get into danger that creates regrets because I will let people cross boundaries and let them assume that everything is okay until one day, and this is common with S's, if you're a high S, one day you just had it and you cut them off. Yeah. And they have no idea what just happened. <laughs> yeah. And so you think by being kind by ignoring it or letting it go, you're doing the right thing, but it's really a great unkindness. And so almost any time it, for me, like one of my clues as to what I should do is if it feels uncomfortable. Yeah. And so, you know, if it feels uncomfortable broaching that subject, it's probably what I should do. Yeah. And so my regrets are not being uncomfortable enough. Hmm. Yeah, I relate to that one. If I was more uncomfortable or happier, not happier, but more uh, okay with being in uncomfortable situations, I'm getting better at that. But I look back at the things that, that got out of hand that never should have gotten out of hand. Mm -hmm. It's because I didn't address it at the earliest level. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah. I'm, we're buddies in the conflict averse club. Uh, <laughs> I just don't like it. I don't either. I don't, e I regret it. And I still don't like it. I don't want to learn that lesson, uh, really, but I, I know, I, I know the power of it. You are listening to the Ziegler show and my discussion with Tom Ziegler on lessons learned redemption gained from regret. We'll be right back. Well, and so we've taught, it's interesting as we've been talking, we keep kind of getting into the relationship aspect. And that's the fourth category here is connection regrets, which interestingly, that was a primary top five, top three for the deathbed regrets 
as well was not staying in touch with my friends. And we're at a time period right now when I'm going, I didn't do, I haven't done the research, but just experientially, I think we're seeing more and more regrets there uh, because people are staying in touch even less. And we know that from a stat standpoint that we're, you know, theoretically connected on social media. We got a zillion friends, but we are more and more isolated. We don't have that. My dad calls it his 3 a.m. club. Those close connections of somebody who we could call up if we were in help. And he actually puts it, or we need to help. And he puts it, you know, who could lend you whatever it is, you know, 500 bucks if you needed a thousand, 10,000, whatever it would be in your economy of, of, of friends and whatnot. But, you know, that would be there for you. People have less and they're feeling isolated and, uh, it's, it's being talked about. That's why we're seeing an uptick. Now I'm not saying this is bad. It's good to go find it somewhere in people seeking out coaches and especially therapists right now. Therapists are book solid and that that's one of the reasons people have nobody to talk to. I, I think we tend to think that, 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 oh my gosh, everybody's in therapy because mental health is so bad. That's part of it. But I think we're also just finding people isolated. They don't have somebody to talk with. And so you pay for somebody to talk with, which is valuable. Um, so on the connection regrets though, um, man, I've, I, I have some, I just talked about some, uh, in how I had treated people, but you know, one regret that I have done a, a decent job of correcting Tom was just not seeking to proactively invest in people and invest in relationships. I was kind of what I talked about before with my kids, I was grateful to be involved in things. So I was always involved in sports. I found my friends there. We did life together. Uh, but later in life when, you know, think we kind of went our different ways and you go start a family and whatnot, I was not reaching out. And I got taught that by a good buddy, Ronnie Freeman. He's a Christian music, music artist. A lot of people know him, writes a lot of songs for Mandisa. If you know Mandisa, you know a lot of Ronnie's songs. And he would come over. We lived across the street from each other for a while. He'd come over with a cup of co- two cups of coffee and knock on the door. And he finally said one time, he says, Kevin, I know you like me. I know we're friends, but you're not going to come be friends with me unless I just barge in like this with a cup of coffee. So here I am. And I, I felt bad because he was right. He was right. I, 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 my dear friend. I love it, but I don't take the time. And it was later when I moved away up here to the town I'm in now, which was what I guess I think we're coming on 20 years now or something. Uh, we've been here and it was coming here and I realized that. And so I proactively went and asked some guys, Hey, let's get together, do coffee, kind of see what happens. And for all this time, I've had a Thursday morning or Friday morning. It's changed group of guys and we just do life together. Uh, it's not a... It's not super profound that, hey, we went through this book and we did this. Sometimes we get together and we chit chat. Sometimes there's a specific issue. Sometimes we're excited about something that kind of ebbs and flows and we let it go organically. And I don't know what the best way is to do your group if you've got one or want one. But I, I just learned the power of consistency that I need to take the time. I need to invest it. Um, there's so many times when I wanted to say, no, I'm not going to make it. I just, I knew the value. So that's a regret that I had specifically, or that I, I experienced that I corrected. Uh, and that's a high one on my connections list. Cause it's still just so relevant. I'm still naturally prone to go, ah, I'm not going to show up. Um, <laughs> so I've learned, I've, I've learned to show up more. How about you on connection side? Wow. Um, well, 
Bob Bodine, one of my best friends, um, he redefined friendship for me. You know, he, he, okay. the power of who in that book, it really changed my life. You know, uh, we all need friends. And I don't, can't remember exactly the stats that he would quote, but most men, they quit making friends when they're 35 and yeah. they've lost their friends by the time they're 60. So they're all alone. And that's just, that's terrible. You know, we were designed for relationship, created for friendship, I believe. And so he said, you know, with, with friends, you change the world. Um, Jesus had 12, three were best and one was closest and one wasn't very good at all. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, but look at what the impact they'd had. And so I made it, you know, I, I, Back then, and gosh, this was a long time ago, more than 10 years ago, I I bought 12 of those books and I wrote notes to 12 friends and said, hey, I want to be your friend. Um, and some of them at that time, probably only one or two were in the what I would call in the close center circle. And so I, I doubled that. Some of them were old friends that geographically, it's just never going to be like it was, but I wanted to reach out to them and just say, hey, you meant a lot to me Yeah, when we were together. Um, and and then claiming friendship. Gosh, that was a big um, turning point when when all of a sudden you you tell a friend, hey, I love you. You're my I appreciate you. Uh-huh. And for men, that's that's hard to do sometimes. You know, it depends on how you grew up. Um, I can't. I've spoken a lot, and and I'll talk on that subject, and people will come to my room or come up to me and say, you know, my dad's never told me he loved me. Hmm. Well, it's pretty hard to tell somebody else when your own dad doesn't tell you. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. And I can't imagine that. It was like, I got that father's blessing <laughs> like every time I was with dad. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, uh, and then I look at dad and so here's the good news. You know, he lost his father when he was five. So he didn't really have memories of his, of his dad. Um, but yet he, he became the father that openly loved and showed his kids that. And so even if that wasn't your role model, your example, your experience, you can choose it. And when you choose it, you change it, you change your family tree. Wow. So it's a powerful thing. The Harvard grant study that I quote a lot, you know, they did it for 75 years. And at the 70, they followed 600 men, half from Harvard, half from the Boston tenement housing projects. Um, when they had the 75th anniversary, there was about 10% still alive. And so they, they uh, decided to go into the data so they asked the 10% that were still alive, are you happy and satisfied with your life? And the ones that said, yes, you know, they're in their nineties now. Uh, they went back to the 50th anniversary where they asked them their question, the questions. And they said, what are you going to focus on for the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. Well, the happiest all said that they were going to focus on the same thing. And that was relationships. It wasn't career or travel or hobbies or retirement or business or, you know, it was relationships. Yeah. I think if we were to, man, what a great book this got Dan's written. Yeah. Uh, if we were just to take relationships on one column that we've had in our life 
And then on the right-hand column was regrets. And we were to figure out what's the, what are the common regrets that we had with the relationships we've had. And we said, you know what, I'm just going to fix one thing. It's going to be, I'm not going to have regrets in my relationships anymore. Yeah. Yeah. How different would life be? Tom, I do. I do want to say on that, going back to me sharing some of my regrets of judging some men. Um, but on that, it, cause it, it's, it's high on my, Gosh, it's very important to me, or it's very acute to me. I should say, I, I am a, I can be a solitary guy. I enjoy that, and it recharges me. So I'm, I'm good with some of that as well. But I can tend to isolate, and the tension between that and between years ago, a lot, of, a long time ago, a lifetime ago, of seeing some guys and realizing that the the guys I mistrust the most are the ones that are alone at the top that they answer to nobody. There's, they're not accountable to no to anybody. I have enough fear in that, that because that's, that's my style. That's my greatest risk too, is to be that guy. And, uh, and so I do the work not to be, because that's what scares me. It's one of the things that gives me so much trust and joy in you. And I know you're involved in other people's lives. You've got Bob Bodine, you've got Howard Partridge, you've got these other people that you're consistently involved and you involve them in what you're doing. I mean, I know those guys both know a lot about your business. I know some, but they know even more. That is profound to me because you get to the top, especially if you get some success and abundance and you don't need anybody in your business. And so you don't, you're king at the top, man. I saw the downfall so many times. I saw the danger of that. It gave me fear of, of that. And so it's keeping me out of the regret so far. And I find that as time goes on, I'm pressing into those people more and more. Sometimes I I think that I I connect Tom, I let you know what's going on and connect just to make sure that I'm not just out of my gourd. Cause every once in a while I'll get to thinking, am I really all together here? And, uh, I need other people in my life. So man, thank you for being that to me, Tom. Uh, it's, one of the highlights of my relationships and life is your involvement in it. And uh, yeah, I want everybody to hear that. So many regrets, some powerful ones. Again, if you look at the deathbed regrets too, are around these connections and friendships. And we're at a time when those are more at risk, I think, than ever. It's more uncomfortable. People aren't looking for connection and we have to go out there and ask for it. It kind of comes back to you talking about right at the top of the show, your buddy who would just go out and talk to people and you didn't really want to just go talk to a stranger or <laughs> connect with people. And yet I think people are more and more feeling that way and we're suffering from it. So, well, hey man, thanks. This is what I wanted. I want to talk through it. Um, and uh, candidly grapple with the regrets and what we have learned. And I really hope people hear that and take the time to think about what you regret. But in reference, listen to Dan's show that we did together. It was show 969 uh, Dan with Dan Pink, The Power of Regrets. You can get the book, but to think through the regrets. And he's asking you to embrace them, not wallow in them, but not reject them, not no regrets. But to go, what can I learn? What have I learned? What can I learn? And I want to keep pressing into the mistakes that I make, Tom. Yep. I think I've got a new focus now, and that's not to regret not facing the regret. 
Okay. There you go. There you go. Well, brother, uh, I do not regret hanging with you. Thanks. I know. And that's uh, well said from the greatest host in all the land, Kevin Miller. Thank you, my brother. My talk with Dan Pink in episode 969, and now this discussion just really has me contemplating my regrets, but thinking of them as my mistakes and what I have learned from them and thinking of them then as lessons. Coming up in episode 971, I'm back with Dan Pink to talk through his personal habits of success. And I led by asking him how doing this research and writing a book on regrets, how has that influenced him to alter some of his life habits? So I think you'll appreciate hearing his response. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. 